Welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is standing by. We're going to talk about a topic today. Oh, by the way, I'm Gord Whitehead, former broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for four decades, and we like talking about investing. And and I, I was pointing this out to some people recently who were asking me about the show, Ron, and I said, you know, our basic underlying philosophy is financial literacy, is to, to try to teach people about how to invest and why you do certain things when you invest and, and just understanding the landscape of the market. Is that fair? That is a very good overview of, of, of where we're trying to take this show. You know, you just see so many people in your day-to-day walk of life that are totally lost by this entire subject and so what we thought we'd do was we just have a regular weekly podcast, and you can go back five years. There's hundreds of uh, podcasts that are archived online that you can go and listen to that if you went and listened to them all, you'd basically have a complete course on investing. We cover virtually every sector in the markets. We talk about taxation. We talk about portfolio construction. We talk about fixed income investing. We talk about estates. We talk about financial planning. We talk about everything. And so if you want to be a complete investor, you have to have at least a conversant knowledge on all these subjects. And so this is a great place to come because Gordon and I aren't selling anything. We're here to provide good information. We're not uh, being paid uh, by... By anybody. Well, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like we're trying to hype something here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to give you an education in these different things. So. Yeah, and this turns out to be a, a very good retirement project for both of us. That uh, you know, We just think that increasing financial literacy is so important because it isn't taught in school. It isn't taught in high school. It isn't taught in university. Kids are clueless when they come out. And of course, it means you have to lose, learn the hard way. You learn the hard way. What does that do? It you costs, take it on the chin, yeah. You take it on the chin. It costs you a lot of money. So if we can prevent some of that, that's our goal. So we're going to talk about lithium. And boy, do we hear that a lot. And you know, you look around, we're sitting here in my little recording studio, there's lithium batteries in that device. There's my phone is sitting there. Your phone is over there. They have lithium batteries. You've got an iPad. There's lithium batteries in there. Uh, I have a son who works for a tool company that builds a lot of lithium batteries. We talk about electric cars have lithium batteries. They're omnipresent now. So let's talk about lithium itself. Lithium is... People think it's a metal, and it's, a, it's more of a powdery metal, you know. And 80% of lithium production is used to make rechargeable batteries. And, of course, when you think of lithium mining, you usually think of someplace like the Atacama Desert, where you have these huge pools that, of brine that they allow to dry, and then they put machines in, they scoop the stuff up. Well, about 40% of lithium comes from evaporating brines. 50% actually comes from mining. And I think you can expect over the years that that percentage is going to increase. And only about 10% comes from recycling and other activities. And recycling is going to become a bigger and bigger component of that equation as we go along. So you're talking about when you your your phone battery wears out, they'll, somebody will tear it apart, take the lithium out of it and repurpose it? Is that, is that what that's all that's about? That's the plan. And so Certainly not just with the small batteries that we have in consumer electronics, but you look at 
um, I mean, go online and take a look at the, the massive bed of, of lithium cubes that are make up the, the battery pack for an electric car. Uh, they're going to recycle those too, and that's where the big opportunity, because that's where the bulk of the lithium is going to end up going over the next couple of years. So, is there a big financial upside in lithium? I would say that it's pretty obvious there is. Yeah, I mean, right now lithium production has doubled in the last five years, and the recent numbers I saw uh, coming out from the industry say that they're expecting uh, lithium to demand to double again between 2025 and 2030. And currently, there's no other viable material for battery storage. That's a risk, because that could change. But right now, that is pretty much the only game in town. And governments are all in subsidizing society's conversion of renewables, especially electric cars, which use a lot of batteries. I guess, as you say, it's a risk if, uh, you know, some scientist in a lab somewhere with a whole bunch of Erlenmeyer flasks or whatever says, wait a minute, this will work as a battery. And, and that, that, that could be the downside to this. But we're not there yet. But technology marches on, right? Technology marches on. And even four or five years ago, you looked at the efficiency of batteries. And we haven't had uh, huge leaps in battery technology. Battery technology has been more incremental. It's improving uh, a little bit every year. And, you know, we might have a technological breakthrough. I don't know. Uh, I read a lot of stuff on batteries. And for the last 10 years, I've been hearing about breakthroughs that are just around the corner. And, you know, they can't make them commercially viable, taking them from the lab and and putting them into basic uh, general use. So, you know, you've had a lot of, of uh, companies over the years that have been hyped that, that have fizzled. So, you know, sooner or later we will have some kind of breakthroughs. But right now it seems like the growth in battery efficiency has been more incremental, a couple percent every year, and it's getting better. So there have to be some risks in this, and we always like to look at both sides of an issue. We think, yeah, there's a lot of positives for lithium, but there have to be some risks. What about price volatility? Well, lithium in November of 2022 hit almost 90,000 US dollars a metric ton. And that dropped to $24,000 a ton by the end of April 2023. And uh, I looked up the price here a couple days ago, and uh, lithium was about $32,000 a ton. And, you know, lithium's come a long way. In 2020, it was $10,000 a metric ton, so it's come up. But it's a very, very volatile metal. So you want, before you buy lithium stocks, you want to stop and take a look at where the metal itself is in the, in the, in the cycle. Because obviously, if the metal's $90,000 a ton, uh, you're going to have lithium producers that are making a lot more money producing lithium than it, when it's $24,000 a ton. And, of course, you take a look at uh, production costs. Uh, production costs are, are anywhere between twenty dollars and $25,000 a ton. So you've got to be very careful when you're buying lithium companies to make sure that they've got their costs low enough so that even if we go through a sustained period of low prices, and I know people don't like hearing about risk, but when you're evaluating a sector, you've got to spend some time looking at what could go wrong. I mean, let's face it, nobody thought back in November 2022 when lithium was $90,000 a metric ton that uh, literally six months later, it would be uh, a third of that. So, 
You know, you have to expect prices to go up and down because, as, as you repeatedly say, Gord, prices do move. They're not static, especially in commodities like these. Supply is obviously something that has to be talked about. And, and you know, you and I were chatting before we got started today. Uh, a lot going on in the province of Alberta with lithium and up in the oil sands region, right? And in other places as well. Yeah, lithium has to bring uh, new capacity. So anytime you have a lithium mine coming on stream or, you know, they're, they're evaporating it out of brine or, or a real revolution in Alberta could be some of the brine that we have pumping it up and taking the lithium out. Well, once you do a project like that, all of a sudden you have a massive, your mine is complete, your, your manufacturing process is complete. All of a sudden you have a massive amount of new product hitting the market, which makes prices drop. Because demand sort of slowly moves up from the left, lower left to the upper right in lithium. Whereas supply is lumpy. You have a new mine come in. All of a sudden, you have an enormous amount of new product coming into the market, which depresses prices. Eventually, demand catches up with that. You've got another mine come in. So you have spike drop, spike drop, spike drop, spike drops. Because supply growth is so lumpy, um, you know, that's just one of the... Uh, issues that investors have to take, and it makes it tough for them to build uh, lithium positions just because of the volatility. You touched on the the, the production costs. You say that they've, they've got to be somewhere between twenty dollars and $25,000 a ton. Yeah. That's what it costs to produce it. Yeah. So if the market gets down to $24,000 a ton, like it was in April 2023, everybody's going, hey, let's hold on a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or if you're you know if you're a well capitalized company, well you usually have the bank lines you can resolve you can you can live off of you've got uh, your own cash hoard, um, and and you have inventory that you can work off of, so there's ways to mitigate some of the risk. But if you're a little guy and you've just come on stream, and you're going to sell it into the spot market, well, you know you're a little company, you have a hard time getting financing anyways. It could be risky. So, you know, certainly uh, there's, there's, uh, you got to be watching price here and, and make sure you understand what break even is for the company you invest in. Nationalization will become a, a, an issue, I would think. Uh, I mean, I don't know much about Bolivia. <laughs> I always remember Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid headed there. But that's not, I, w- I wouldn't call that the, the model of stability. No, and you're getting so many countries that, that have significant lithium resource that are nationalizing them. And, of course, that means more volatility. And when you take away assets from a company, um, my view is generally you get paid $0.10 cents on the dollar for what you develop. They don't pay a full price for sure. Bolivia has nationalized its supply. They did that in 2008. Mexico which has the world's 10th largest reserves of lithium. Uh, They nationalized uh, their resources in 2022. Chile announced just a couple months ago, actually, which has roughly 30% of the world's lithium, uh, that they're going to nationalize the entire industry. So you want to look for lithium miners with production assets in North America or other places that aren't planning to rationalize or nationalize it. And uh, because you can end up with some uh, very nasty surprises when you see uh, a government take away your resources right out from under your nose. There are environmental risks. This is a staggering number. Oh, yeah. How much water 
it takes to mine a ton of lithium in Chile's Altacama salt flats. How many liters of water? 2,273,000 liters. Let me repeat that. 2,273,000 liters of water to mine one ton of lithium. So the environmentals go that's not going to wash, pardon the pun. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to wash. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on these guys to figure out ways to cut their water consumption. And there's some technologies that uh, are just around the corner that are going to help do that. But you, you, have to, you have to look at some of these old processes when you're buying into lithium and to make sure that uh, they don't come under environmental attack because that's, that's a staggering amount of water. Uh, well, and if you think of a country like Bolivia, uh, there that's a desert, so yeah. much of it, where the deposits are. So where are they going to get the water from? That's, yeah. a, that's the other issue, right? That's, that's a huge issue. Okay, major players. If we want to investigate the sector, who do we look at here? There's two major players. The first is Albemarle. The symbol is ALB. They're a U.S. company. Their price earnings ratio is 6. Their yield is 0.8%. Their five-year increase in stock price is 91%. So for the last five years, uh, Albert Marley has been a very good investment for uh, those people who were uh, smart enough or lucky enough to, to own the stock. Albert Marley is the world's biggest lithium producer, and they operate the only active lithium mine in the U.S. located in Silver Peak, Nevada, and they're working hard to increase production down there. And uh, I, think, I think a significant part of that production is actually going to go to tes Tesla to be able to use in their batteries. And lithium is uh, Albert Marley's biggest line of business. The problem in this sector is there's so many companies that produce other things, whereas uh, Albert Marley has about half of their total revenue that comes from lithium. So it's a big block of their business. SQM, this is a company I'm not familiar with. Tell us about SQM. SQM is a Chilean company. Uh, they list in the U.S. Their symbol is SQM, surprisingly. They're five times earnings. They actually have a yield of 3.1%. Uh, haven't done as well as Albert Marley, but their five-year increase in stock price is 45%. And don't forget, we're talking about uh, it's still up over five years 45% after we've seen lithium prices drop by 66%. So, you know, this is looking more like we're getting near the bottom of its range. SQM is based in Chile. It's the world's second largest lithium producer. The company produces iodine, fertilizers, potash, lithium, other industrial chemicals, a whole bunch of things. But these are your two major players. And what You had a stat here. They're, they're, they're growing sales by... Over 170%? Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, so they're dramatically in, increasing the amount of uh, lithium that they're producing. And, of course, you know, the, the stats we talked about at the beginning of the show were lithium production between 2020 and 2025 uh, literally doubled, and it's going to double again between 2025 and 2030. So... Uh, you know, there's, no, there's smaller players getting into the game, but these are the two big blue chips that uh, right now are, are the ones that dominate the market court. Okay, so the strategy. So you, you've talked about basically half of the, the reserves are in that lithium triangle in South America, yeah. right? Yeah, you've got to be very, very careful 
investing there because uh, notice where we talked about nationalization. Well, Bolivia is going to nationalize. Chile, Chile has nationalized. Yeah. And the other one is Argentina, which if you want to see a country that's in an economic mess, they might be right near the front of the line. So yeah. it's a risky play, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a risky play. So you want to look for companies that, you know, Albert Marley is expanding uh, dramatically. I think we're going to see a lot of big growth come out of Australia. I think because they're looking at it as a strategic metal, we're going to see significant growth come out of Canada, come out of Northern Europe, come out of the United States, come out of places where there's a lot less political risk. So uh, you want to take some time, uh, especially if you're looking at the juniors to play, um, the lithium growth, you want to especially look at where uh, they have their assets. If you're diversified across the globe, if you lose a little bit, yeah, the stocks are going to drop. But if uh, you're a one-trick pony or a little junior stock that's got four stakes in the ground in some place, maybe Chile or Mexico or Bolivia, well, you know, the outcome might not be good, if, if, especially if government decides to turn down the screws. And we have to keep an eye on battery technology here, right? Yeah, battery technology is important because um, right now lithium is the only game in town, but they're working on other metals. And uh, if if they get a breakthrough, things can change very, very quickly. So even though you're buying this and the outlook is very rosy at the moment, uh, technology can throw you a curveball. Throw yep. you a curveball. I mean, look, or, look outside. Um, how many of you have a Yellow Pages stacked up by your in your in your mailbox uh they quit uh, they quit a long time ago and technology virtually changed overnight uh yellow pages as a stock went from hero to zero almost instantly so you buy this stuff it's not buy put it in a drawer and never look at it again you got to pay attention to these kind of companies these are traders right these the, are the, traders okay so lithium a, a lot of talk about it there's a, a, a lithium 101 if you will Courtesy of the financial coach, Ron Hebert. Uh, we will be back again next week. We're going to talk about um, fixed income because that's been on a lot of people's minds. It's been on my mind. Uh, you know, rates are pretty favorable right now on fixed income. So do we maybe take a closer look at that? Is that what the plan is here? The plan is to take a look at building a fixed income portfolio with exchange-traded funds. So we're going to start with that. And uh, then we're going to follow that in a couple of weeks afterwards by talking about how to build a fixed income portfolio of individual ex securities. We're going to give you some strategies that you can use. The ETF portfolio is a very, very simple strategy. This is for individuals that want exposure to fixed income, but just don't want um, to spend Hours uh, going through what looks best. Yeah. 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 So we're going to give you a simple way to take advantage of that. All right, back next week with another edition of Making Money. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We will join you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.